Blog Talk Radio. Praise the Lord. I am so excited to be back to bring you a great message, a great word from God, and I'm so excited that you've decided to join in on another episode of Purpose Kingdom Network. I am your hostess, Arsenius Colvin, coming to you live from South Carolina, and I am excited, excited, excited. So, um, normally, I come up and introduce myself in my nonprofit organization, which is One Touch Transformation. And One Touch Transformation mission is to educate the community about sexual abuse while encouraging and empowering all victims and survivors. So um, this year has been a little different for myself as well as the organization because I actually use this year to kind of focus on self and not to advocate like I had been in the past seven years. And in doing so, I've had a great year. For those of you who do not know, I um, actually married the love of my life. After dating for eight years, we finally decided to just do it. So I'm excited. I'm still enjoying marriage life, and and I'm so glad that we decided to make that decision. And now I understand when people will say, like, this is something set up by God. It's it's honorable. And, you know, like I said, I know it hasn't been that long, but I am enjoying this new life of mine, and I'm so glad that I did use this year to um, finish working on self and to take time out for myself because everything fell in line. So um, those of you just – Continue to keep my husband and I in your prayers that we may grow stronger in him and also be a light for the world and, you know, just anyone we may come in contact with. But just wanted to throw that out there. So uh, One Touch Transformation, you know, is we spent seven years, yeah, about seven years just advocating in the community, um, being a voice for those who have gone through sexual abuse. Um, At one point, you know, it was, it really was a hot topic. Like, it's always been a hot topic, but I remember when the whole Me Too movement was really um, coming to life, you know, it was it was a chance and it was an opportunity for those who have gone through it to actually speak up and say, hey, Me Too, this happened to me. Yeah, Me Too. It, it kind of gave us a community. It gave us a new community where it created a safe place for everyone who had gone through sexual abuse to say, hey, you're not alone. It's happened to me, too. And so with One Touch Transformation, you know, it was it's a local organization started in Florence, South Carolina, but we were able to touch the lives of young ladies through our mentoring program called the Butterfly Effect. And so I, even though, you know, even though, like I said, I took this year off, I can still reflect on the things that God allowed us to do. Um, I had a great team of other mentors who were helping these young ladies in our community because we were in, like, three different communities, um, Hartsfield, Darlington, and Florence, and we met with these young ladies for 12 weeks every semester of the school year, just teaching them about, you know, body safety, teaching them about self-esteem, how to respect their bodies, respect who they are, and just helping them with things that we needed as young ladies. And like I said, I'm just grateful that God gave me the vision to carry out such things. And, you know, I don't know what he has in store for me next, but, you know, 
while I'm waiting and while I'm listening to his voice, I'm going to continue to do what he has placed inside of me. And, you know, we're closing out this year, um, only a few days left, but, you know, we got to keep working and just get ready and get prepared for the upcoming year because we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know the things that are going to happen. You know, we've had a lot of horrible things that happened this year and, you know, we can't, can't dwell on, you know, the negative things or the bad things that, that that's going on. All we can do is just continue to lean on God and trust him fully and continue to fulfill the purpose that he has for us. And so tonight, again, I'm just excited to share what God has given me. You know, as I was typing this out, I actually worked on this over the weekend. As I was working on this, you know, I was getting excited. It was blessing me. So I pray that it blesses someone who's listening tonight and that, you know, draw you even closer to God and help you to become who God has purposed you to be. Because a lot of times we, even as believers, we are unsure of what God wants us to do or what move to make next. But he tells us, you know, we've got to listen to his voice. We've got to follow his voice so that we're able to carry out the will that he has for us. And we and just think, uh, you know, he has instilled some great things inside of us, and I think a lot of times we we fail to realize just that, you know, because God, he's just this, he's all-powerful, all-knowing, and he has done great things, and he's placed some of that power inside of us so that we can do great things, and I'll talk a little bit more about that. I don't want to get too ahead of it, but he's placed some great things inside of us so that we can also perform some great works on this earth. And so we've got to change our mindset. We have to change the way that we think, the way that we see ourselves, because if we are, you know, from the master, if we're a masterpiece of him, then we are something great. And we've got to start seeing ourselves as just that, not being conceited, not being arrogant, but being confident in who we are in Christ. But not to prolong you with my words, let's go ahead and jump right into it. And so I want you to go to the book of Matthew, and we're going to start at chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 18 through 21. So these scriptures should sound a little familiar. I know um, most people are getting geared up for Christmas, but I, I promise you it's not a Christmas message. <laughs> it's not a Christmas message, but I do want to focus on the birth, and you'll you'll understand why as we go along with this. So so um, those of you who are just joining in, thank you for joining in. Um, remember, at any time you want to call or chat or comment, um, if you're listening online, you just dial 319-527-6091. That's 319-527-6091 and press the number one, and we'll bring you in on the call. So, again, I'm your host, Arthenius Colvin, and I am ready to dive right in. So we're starting at Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. We're going to start there. All right, so I'm reading from the King James Version. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being just a man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, 
for he shall save his people from their sins. All right, so we are introduced in this first chapter of Matthew, um, the story or how Jesus was conceived. And we know that this was not just an ordinary birth or ordinary conception. So we learn that Mary is already pregnant with Jesus or is is already carrying this seed. And she and Joseph had not even, you know, had relations yet. But the angel comes to Joseph and he says, you know, fear not. Look, what she's carrying is precious. What she's carrying is the king who is going to save his people from their sins. It's going to be a son, and you're going to call him Jesus. All right? And so, you know, being how this all happened, Joseph's feeling some type of way like, hold up. Now, we haven't even, you know, been together like this, and you're already pregnant. So imagine what Joseph is feeling and what he's thinking, like, how in the world did this happen? What am I supposed to do? Like, what am I supposed to tell people if they see Mary out here? And, like, what am I supposed to do? And he and he did not want to face that. He didn't want her to go in public. He wanted to keep her hidden because he knew of what kind of reputation or the stereotype that would go along with that. So Joseph is trying to figure out, okay, so how are we going to do this? Um, but the, 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 the angel said, fear not. She's your wife, and what she's conceived or who she's conceived is, this young this young boy, and he's going to grow up into Jesus, and he's going to save people from their sins. All right, so we'll go to the 22nd verse, and it says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So let's focus on that for a moment. It says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. Almost like, hold up, this, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense how is she a virgin and with child. <laughs> doesn't make sense. But, like I said, this was not just an ordinary conception. So this particular birth that took place was so remarkable. It extremely, and not even the birth itself, but the conception. We're not even going to the birth yet. But this particular conception that took place was so remarkable, extremely unique, and definitely not an ordinary process because we know what the process is in order for a baby to be conceived, and none of that took place <laughs> with Jesus' birth or Jesus' conception. So first off, we're like, okay, so this has to be something miraculous, something out of the ordinary. All right, so because... How is it even possible, like I said, for a virgin to even be with child, let alone bring forth a son? But that's what happened with Mary. But nevertheless, here's the important part. Nevertheless, the Holy Ghost enables this process to take place, and it happened in the most strategic way. This baby, this baby that was going to be born from a virgin, was prophesied to be king. But yet, look how his birth came about. This was an extraordinary event. Extraordinary. And so my main topic for tonight is when extraordinary becomes the norm. When extraordinary becomes the norm. 
So what we witness in Matthew is an extraordinary conception that gives us this story of how Jesus will be born and how he will save his people from their sins. But yet this is coming from a virgin (laughs) mother. So whenever we look up um, extraordinary, it means very unusual, remarkable, going beyond what is usual, regular, or customary. So it's not going to be any regular event that normally happens. It's not the custom. Because surely we know that would not have been, you know, mainly that would not have been the, normally that would not have been the custom. But this was an extraordinary, remarkable, unusual event or conception that took place when we were talking about the birth of Jesus. But what I quickly noticed, which made this event so extraordinary, was the ingredient of the Holy Ghost. If it wasn't for the Holy Ghost, Jesus would have never been conceived in such a remarkable way. And guess what? It didn't even stop there. So we're talking about how remarkable and how extraordinary his conception was and leading on to his birth, it goes even further. Talking about when extraordinary becomes the norm, when extraordinary becomes the norm. So as we follow the birth of Jesus, we recognize that there was even nothing, there was nothing even ordinary about him, about the birth. And he, he wasn't like everyone else. The reason why I know he wasn't like everyone else because there was a death threat over his life even when he was born. Enemy knows that God has his hand on you or whenever you're walking in the spirit, he will try whatever he can to destroy your life. See, God knows when he has his hand on you, and the enemy knows when God has his hand on you as well. So don't be surprised when the enemy tries you. Don't be surprised when you know you're operating, you know, out of God's spirit and there's someone or something the enemy is trying to destroy your plan or destroy the plan of God. But guess what? God is not going to let that happen because God has more power than the enemy. But when the enemy knows that God has his hand on you, he's going to try whatever he can to destroy your life or destroy that plan. And so we, we hear or we read about Jesus having this death threat over his life. And this is in the next chapter, Matthew chapter 2, verses 3. And we're going to read about King Herod. So it says, when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Look at there. So here we have King Herod who is troubled by a baby, by a baby. The baby has not even done anything to him. He hasn't even seen the baby, but yet he knows who this baby is. And so it is troubling him. So think about this. Did you know or have you ever noticed that your presence disturbs some people? Sometimes you don't even have to say anything. The moment you walk into the room, the enemy's feathers are ruffled. Why? Simply because you're unique. You're not like everyone else. It's normal for you to be extraordinary, so most of the time you don't always recognize how much you make people uncomfortable just by your very presence, your very presence. And some people, they're they're just not able to handle 
you or essentially the, the spirit that is within you. They're not able to handle it. And so whenever you are in their presence or when you walk into their room, their feathers are ruffled. They can't sit still. They're frowning and don't even know why. And you haven't even done anything to them. You haven't said a word. All you have simply done is just walk into the room. And that's how it was when Jesus came on the troubled King Herod. I mean, he was troubled. He was bothered. His feathers were ruffled. And I cannot wrap my mind around it because this is you are already a king. King Herod, you are you are wearing the crown. But yet this baby that has just been born, it has ruffled your feathers. It has troubled you. You are upset by a baby. I was listening to um, a motivational speech, uh, a video, watching a video, and Deion Sanders was giving some great words, great motivational words. If you ever get a chance, look them up, um, look up some of his videos. But he said something that has really stuck with me. He said, do not allow my confidence to offend your insecurities. Because, you know, that happens with some people. Just because you have confidence, people feel like you're arrogant or feel like you, um, you're conceited. But he says, do not allow my confidence to offend your insecurities. My confidence should not offend your insecurities. The things that you feel insecure about have nothing to do with my confidence. But you will learn and you will realize when you walk into certain rooms, when you go to certain places, because you have this level of confidence, people are not able to handle it. People are not able to sit still. It just bothers them so much that you are just that confident. And I'm talking about being confident in Christ, being confident in who you are, being confident with the gifts that he is giving you, being confident when you serve, being confident when you minister. And there are people who just can't take it. They can't take your confidence level. But at the end of the day, it has nothing to do with their insecurities. Their insecurities have nothing to do with your confidence just because you are secure in who you are just because you are confident in who you are and in what you're doing, it makes them feel insecure. But there's nothing that you can do about it because that is not your problem. And so Deion Sanders says, do not allow my confidence to offend your insecurities. So I, I turned it around or, or kind of tweaked it and said, in spiritual terms, I'm going to say, do not allow who I am in Christ to offend your personal self-doubt. So do not allow who I am in Christ to offend your personal self-doubt. I know who I am in Christ. You may not know who you are, so do not allow who I know I am to offend your own personal self-doubt. Whatever you're doubting about yourself or, or doubting about God, that has nothing to do with who I am in Christ. And so we, we have to develop hey, that attitude. And we're, like I said, we're not being arrogant. We're not being conceited. We're not being prideful. But, no, we are just sure. We are secure. We are confident in who we are in Christ. And whenever you are sure, when you are confident, when you, when you are secure in Christ, it doesn't matter what anyone says. It doesn't matter what they do. You can continue to do the work of God. So do not allow who I am in Christ 
to offend your personal self-doubt. I can't help how you feel about yourself. I can't help how you feel about, you know, who you are and who you are in Christ because if you are sure of who you are in Christ, then you won't have time to have this self-doubt or have time to be worrying about the next person and who they are. But just be sure of who you are in Christ. So we're talking about when extraordinary becomes the norm. See, an extraordinary person knows who he or she is in Christ. So here we have King Herod, who shouldn't have dealt with any insecurities. I mean, come on, man, you're king. You are king right now, so why, why are you having all these insecurities? Why are you having all this self-doubt? Why are you worrying about Jesus' baby who just arrived on the scene? You can't be king forever, you know? So, hey, just continue to reign during the time. Don't worry about who's coming on scene. But King Herod, he was troubled over this baby, and he is, you know, low-key plotting against Jesus. He asked the wise men, the head of Bethlehem, and find Jesus. So, you know, like I said, he's low-key plotting. He's thinking the wise men are, you know, got him, like, set up, like, okay, this is what I want y'all to do, head on to Bethlehem, find a baby. And he also requested that after they find him, let him know so I can come and worship him too. He's he being slick. <laughs> King Carrot is being slick. Sending the wise men to go find Jesus and worship him. Like, and when you find him, let me know. Holler at me. <laughs> but he's just being slick. So remember, we're not just dealing with an ordinary baby here. So we got to keep that in mind. So we know Jesus is not just an ordinary baby. Because number one, see in in an extraordinary way. And now we see that he's going to be king and he's going to be this one who saves people from their sins. So we know this is not just an ordinary baby. And King Herod knew that. Like I said, when the enemy the enemy knows when God has their hand on you, he's going to do whatever he can to destroy you, destroy your life, and destroy the plan what God has for you. But it's not going to work. So we're not just dealing with the ordinary baby here. So the wise men arrived to worship and they presented their gifts, but following God warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. So the spirit knows, and the spirit will speak to you. The spirit will lead you. It will guide you. And it will let you know when, you know, don't go back that way or don't go that route. He's plotting. And so Jesus warned them, said, look, don't go back to King Herod because he is plotting to kill Jesus. Spirit knows. So next, um, the angel told Joseph to move his family because Herod was out to destroy this future king. So, again, the spirit knows, and the spirit will let you know when, when the enemy is out for you, So, which is why it is so important, is so important to always, you know, be connected to the to the Holy Spirit so the Spirit can see you and tell you when to go, when not to go, um, where to go, how to go, all of that, because that's what the Spirit is for. That's what the Holy Spirit is for, is to lead you and guide you. So the angel told Joseph to move his family because Herod was out to destroy the future king. But once Herod realized the wise men were no longer answering to him, um, in Matthew 2 and 16, that 16 verse, it says, he was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof from two years old and under. Hmm. This king was so bothered. This king was so troubled 
that he had to kill all of the babies two years and under. Those babies did not do anything to him. He's upset about one particular baby, but yet he had to go out and kill all of the babies two years and under in Bethlehem. Crazy. But that's how the enemy works. That's how people are. When they are jealous, when they see that you are a child of God and see how God is working through you, they get jealous. And they do these things that, you know, like I said, try to destroy the plan that God has for you or try to destroy you. But look, the Spirit intervened and let Joseph know and let those wise men know what King Herod, he's up to something. But that is crazy when you think about it. And I know I've heard this story thousands of times, but to really think about it, like this man, this king who had all this power, had all this wealth, you are king for God's sake, and you are so troubled about this little baby. But only because you knew that this wasn't just an ordinary baby. But not even that, you were so troubled by this baby that you just, you know, set out, just commanded them to kill all of the babies two years and under. Like, really? Was it really that serious? <laughs> I mean, you got to think of it, like, is it really that serious? And the things that people do, the measures that people take out of jealousy, it 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 blows my mind. It blows my mind. The things that people will do out of jealousy, and I mean, and I and I know jealousy. Like I said, it's it's this ugly monster, and it will cause you to do some horrible things. And we see it demonstrated right here with King Herod, so troubled, so bothered, so jealous that he has to kill all of the babies in Bethlehem that are two years and younger. Uh, because he's trying to get to this one particular baby. He's trying to get to Jesus. Like, mm-mm. So it's like if if, he, if he's not saved, then nobody is. No baby is. But that's how he was thinking because he knew that this was not just an ordinary baby. So talking about when extraordinary becomes the norm. So as we continue and read about his childhood, we can see the family would travel to Jerusalem every year for the feast. This one particular year when he was 12 years old, when the feast ended and it was time to return home, Jesus stayed. (laughs) He stayed behind in Jerusalem. And so he was so remarkable. Like, I'm talking about Jesus. Even at the age of 12, he was so remarkable that his own parents didn't even recognize that he wasn't at home with them. Like, what? (laughs) Like, that would never happen. I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but that couldn't just happen, and, you know, and we just downplay it like that. And so I jokingly thought about, you know, Home Alone, you know, since it's been coming on since the season has started. Um, Kevin, how he was left twice or got separated from his family twice. The first time they left him home and didn't realize it until later. And then the second time, he um, got on the wrong plane, so he was in, what, New York, and they were in Florida, and they didn't realize it until later. Like, come on. And so Jesus and his family went to Jerusalem. And so by the time they was, they left Jerusalem, parents didn't even realize he wasn't with them. So uh, Mary and Joseph, they go back to Jerusalem looking for Jesus. And we find this in Luke chapter 2. So in Luke chapter 2, verse 46 through 48, 
says, and it came to pass, three days they found him in the temple. So it's been three days since they found their son. Talking about, like, today's time, if that was to happen, boy, oh, boy, somebody's going to get called on. (laughs) But um, after three days, they found him sitting in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him was astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. So this was not just an ordinary child at the age of 12. You stay behind to sit in the temple, to sit with doctors, to sit with all of these um, smart people, and you're and you're understanding everything that they're saying, asking questions, and giving them answers. And his parents, all they can do is just stand back and just be amazed. And so Mary, she asked, still there, like, son, what are you still doing here? And she explained how she and Joseph were so worried and upset trying to find him. Like, you women looking for you for three days. Like, what are you doing? We were so worried. We don't, we've been home, realized that you weren't there, came back to Jerusalem, and it took us three days to find you, and you were sitting in the temple the whole time. Like, what gives? And Jesus replied, like, well, why were you looking for me? And I'm putting it in my own words. Like, well, why are you looking for me? Don't you understand why I'm here? I'm about my father's business. I'm doing what God wants me to do. And he, in his mind, in Jesus' mind at 12 years old, he cannot understand why Mary is even questioning him. Like, how can you even ask me what I'm doing here? You of all people should know why I am here. <laughs> you think? You are Mary. Um God placed me inside of you. The Holy Ghost, we were were born through you, and you're asking me why I'm here? I was talking about when extraordinary becomes the norm, when extraordinary becomes the norm. And as I just began to reflect on, you know, the whole process of, of Jesus being conceived, it's just amazing, and it's almost to the point, like, how can this even happen? It's so mind-blowing. It really is. It's astonishing. And to, just to think, just to think, with the impregnation of the Holy Ghost and how it transpired into this baby and transpired into this child and how it just it goes on and on, like, it, it's just amazing when you just think about it. God is is truly extraordinary, and to think that we have a piece of him inside of us, that should make us feel extraordinary. And so people are going to question your moves, and more than likely you'll be misunderstood, but that's okay when we talk about you being extraordinary. So his parents, Mary, she questioned Jesus at the age of 12. People are going to question you, going to question what you do, why you do it that way, or how you even do it. That's okay. But at the end of the chapter, it says, And Jesus matured, growing up in both body and spirit, blessed by both God and people. Now, the next 21 years of Jesus' life were nothing but extraordinary events, from the healing, the miracles, the sermons, and all the messages 
all leading up to the extraordinary sacrifice that only he could only give. And so Jesus, he lived an extraordinary life. He performed extraordinary things, these miracles, these healings, and everything he did as he walked this earth. And to think, with the Holy Ghost, we have a peace of God inside of us. But let me tell you what made him so extraordinary, because I'm talking about how he was extraordinary through conception, extraordinary as a baby, extraordinary as a child, and extraordinary in his last years and making that extraordinary sacrifice. The one thing that made him so extraordinary, what I realized, was the Holy Ghost. Jesus died that you and I may receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is an extraordinary gift. I know we may not talk about it enough, but it is an extraordinary gift, and the power that it brings forth is so extraordinary. Acts 1 and 8 declares that, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So it is something about the Holy Ghost. It is precious. It is a gift like like none other. Talking about when extraordinary becomes the norm. We are extraordinary people of God whenever we possess his Holy Spirit. When his spirit lives within us, we are not just ordinary people. We are extraordinary people. We are chosen, a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. We are extraordinary people of God. And if we are extraordinary people of God, and that means we need to be doing some extraordinary things. John 14 and 12, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, that works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works that these shall he do. So if he is extraordinary, then we too are extraordinary people. We have power, and we cannot be afraid to use it. We cannot fear being extraordinary. 2 Timothy 1 and 7 says, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Talking about when extraordinary becomes the norm. We've got to make this a part of our lives. We can't just walk around acting like we don't possess any power or acting like there's nothing great inside of us. No. We have great things inside of us. We have to recognize the power that lies within us. The Holy Ghost will lead us. The Holy Ghost will guide us to all truth. So we cannot be afraid. When the enemy talks about you, don't be afraid. When people give you the same face, because they will. When you walk in a room, they will. Don't be afraid. When they question you, don't be afraid. Psalms 118 and 5 says, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? They can't touch it. When you have the Lord on your side, there's nothing that they can do. When you have the Lord on your side, plan and plot all they want to. But if you have the Lord on your side, there is nothing the enemy can do. And we have some examples of, you know, extraordinary men and women of God in in the Bible that we can read about. And the first one that came to mind as I was writing this was old David. David knew what it was like to be an extraordinary man. Like Jesus, David was chosen early. He was looked over. He was questioned when he was ready to fight Goliath. Sometimes people are going to look over you. 
They may not recognize the extraordinary um, power that lies within you, but you know. So let people look over you. Let people talk. Let people think whatever they want to. Like I said, do not allow who you are in Christ to offend someone else's personal self-doubt. So let them talk. Let them look over you. Let them forget about you, okay? Because guess what? I know who's inside of me or what lies inside of me. I know what the Holy Ghost is capable of doing. And so they, these these Israelites, it was like, what in the world? Boy, is you crazy? What you mean you get ready to fight Goliath? Who do you think you are coming out here to fight this giant? You're just a little shepherd boy. You've been out here tending to sheep. And you're talking about you coming out here to fight this giant thing. Who do you think you are? But David, he said, I come in the name of Jesus. In other words, David knew he was not just an ordinary man. He knew who and what he was facing, but he also knew who and what was inside of him. He knew early on that he was more than just an ordinary man. Man, he's facing this giant. Do you know what he has killed in the past? He's killed animals, lions, bears, going after his sheep. He was taking care of his sheep. He knew that he was an extraordinary person. You're talking about facing the giant? This probably was nothing for him. Like, you know what I've killed before? Do you know what my track record is? <laughs> you know what my resume says? And y'all questioning me facing this giant? Man, this is nothing. He took those five ordinary stones, slung it through his slingshot at Goliath in the head, knocked him down, and cut his head Oh, like it was nothing. Like I said, whenever you're operating in the spirit, people are going to be like, wow. They're going to be astonished. They're going to be amazed. But this is normal for you. This is normal for me. It's supposed to be like this. Whenever you have the Holy Ghost, it's supposed to appear easy, you know? It's supposed to just flow. It's nothing that I have to strain to do. It's nothing that I have to force myself to do. It just comes naturally. That's what the Holy Ghost does. It makes it appear. I'm going to say, I'm not going to say it's going to be easy all the time, but it makes it appear easy. It flows easier. You're able to flow in the spirit. You're able to operate in the spirit. And so when people are just looking back and watching and being amazed and astonished, like, how in the world did she do that? How did she do this? It's the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost, baby. It's the Holy Ghost. Talking about when extraordinary becomes the norm. So David knew what he was doing. He knew who he was, and he knew the power that was within him. He didn't care. They questioned him. He didn't care how huge Goliath was because he had something even greater inside of him. He possessed something even greater. Yes, Goliath was a giant, but, hey, I got something bigger than that giant. I got something greater than that giant. And so that's why David didn't have to worry. He had the Lord on his side. He said, I come in the name of Jesus, meaning the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do? And so David went up and approached Goliath and said, hey, I come in the name of Jesus. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. David was not scared. He was not fearful for his life. Now the rest of the Israelites, they probably were fearful, but David was not fearful at all. He was not afraid. And so he's probably thinking, like, what is Goliath going to do? I know he's a lot bigger than me. He has all this armor. And to think David didn't even want the armor when he went out there to face Goliath. All he had was his slingshot and some stones. 
and the Lord on his side, <laughs> and he took him down. And that's how we are when we face giants, when we face problems, when we face circumstances, whenever we're just operating out of our gifts, whenever we're just glowing in the spirit, we don't have to fear anything because we're doing it in the name of Jesus. We're doing it because the Lord is on our side and we're able to do it. And sometimes it's flawless. Yeah, sometimes it's flawless. And as I say to other people, it look, it appears so easy. To other people, they're, they're questioning, like, how does he do it? How does she do it? But, hey, tell them it's the Lord doing it. It is marvelous, marvelous. That day David demonstrated, 1 John 4 and 4, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So David had that great, that greater in him. Delilah's might have been great, but David had something that was even greater. So we're talking about when extraordinary becomes the norm. Extraordinary people do extraordinary things. We do understand and we do realize that we're not God. We're not God. We're not like God. We don't think like him. Our thoughts are not like him, neither, you know, his plans or our plans. We're not God. But when we have the Holy Ghost, we possess a gift that makes us extraordinary. And so we have to get to the point where we're not afraid to use that gift. So we need to ask God to stir up the gift. And I'm not just talking about the talents and the skills that we possess, but I'm talking about the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let it work in you. Let it work for you, Holy Ghost, so that you're able to withstand the evil that is happening in this world, so that you're able to withstand against Satan and all of his evil devices because we're not ignorant of them. When we have the Holy Ghost, it allows us to be vigilant. It allows us to operate. It allows us to see things clearer, which is why it is so important to possess that gift of the Holy Ghost. Like I said, I know you may not focus on the Holy Ghost often. We we give a lot of encouraging and motivating messages, and this is just all over. I'm not just talking about up here, but even in churches and in, in services. You know, talk about the gift of it, the actual gift of it, and why it is so important. Not just so that we can, you know, um, reign with Jesus and have eternal life, because that too is important, but we're talking about how beneficial the Holy Ghost is in this world that we're living in right now, because it's going to take the Holy Ghost to help us endure. Because in order to be saved in the end, we've we've got to endure. We've got to make it through this life. And it's going to take the Holy Ghost. It's going to take God's spirit to help us deal with these crazy things that are going on in this world. Because you and I, we both know that things are just so crazy right now. There's so much evil in the world. And, And Satan does not care who he uses or what he uses, but we just have to be on guard. And it's going to take the Holy Ghost that will keep us, the Holy Ghost that will, you know, carry us. I I just can't stress it enough. It's the one thing that I know that has kept me. 
is the the only thing that I know that has kept me thus far. And I and I constantly and still pray, even for His Holy Spirit to stay within me. Got to do like David, creating me a clean heart and renew a right spirit. Like God, continue to purge me with Your hyssop. I I do not want you to take your spirit away from me and restore the joy of salvation. Oh, we need it. God, we can't make it without your Holy Spirit. I need it to continue to to fall fresh on me, continue to touch me, continue to, to fill me. And once he fills you, every place, that that may have seemed empty in your life, every void in your life, those things that we ask God to remove that's not of him, that's not pleasing to him, we ask that he restores it with more of his spirit. And and when we're talking about his spirit, we're talking about the fruit of the spirit, that love, that joy, that peace, that long-suffering, that goodness, that faith, that meekness. Patience, we need all of that in life every day, every single day. So I don't know if if you're listening tonight and and you haven't possessed the Holy Ghost or if you have not prayed for God's Holy Spirit to really go over your life. Tonight, I invite you to accept this precious gift, this extraordinary gift. I'm not saying that it's going to make life easy. That's not what I'm saying because we're still going to have to endure hard times or go through hard times, and we still have trials. We still have tribulations. We still have troubled days. We still have dark days. But with the Holy Ghost, with God's Holy Spirit, it will help you go through. It will help you endure. It will help you make it out. And so tonight, I admonish you. I invite you, and I pray that you open up your heart tonight, ready to receive God's Holy Spirit, asking him to come into your life. And I promise you, your life will not be the same. You can become an extraordinary man, an extraordinary woman of God, extraordinary child of God. You're not too young and you're not too old. Tonight, make that decision. If you're ready, I ask that you pray with me. Father, I thank you for who you are and all that you've done. Father, I'm grateful that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross. It is declared in your your word that for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So, Father, we thank you for sending your son. We thank you for the blood that was shed on Calvary for our sins. And tonight, God, we repent of all of our wrongdoings. We ask for your forgiveness of everything that we've said, everything that we've done, And any of our thoughts that may not have been pleasing to you, God, we ask that you forgive us and wash us and cleanse us. God, purge us with your hyssop, creating us a clean heart and renew a right spirit. 
God, wash our sins away so that we may come out pure, holy, and clean in your eyes. God, we know that you are a just God and you're faithful and we trust you at your word. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit and we pray that it will continue to lead us and guide us, that it will direct us. And God, that we will become the extraordinary men and women of God that you have called us to be. Help us not to be distracted by the enemy. Help us not to be distracted by his evil devices. Help us not to be distracted by the people's faces. Lord, we know that you are with us. Lord, you are on our side, so we will not fear. Man cannot do anything to us while you are on our side. We thank you. We love you, and we give you all the praise, all the glory, all of the honor. It belongs to you. And, Father, I pray for every listener tonight. I pray for everyone who's a part of the Purpose Kingdom Network family. Lord, we pray for our families everywhere. Lord, we pray for those who are sick, those that are in the hospitals, those that are confined to their homes. God, I pray that you go to their bedside and raise them up only like you can. Lord, we pray for those who are dealing with mental illnesses, those who are dealing with mental issues, mental diseases. Lord, I pray that you just secure their mind. Oh, God, that you would just bring them out. Oh, God, we come against every evil spirit, every mental disease and sickness that may try to attack us and even those who are connected to us. God, we pray for the families who are mourning the loss of loved ones. God, strengthen and comfort only like you can. God, we pray for those that are in office and those that have authority, those that are in government positions. God, we ask that you be with them even as they make decisions. Lord, we just so grateful. I'm grateful, God. Continue to keep us. Continue to carry us throughout the remaining of the night. Protect us only like you can, only like you can, God. And we'll forever give your name all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, and amen. All right, next we're going to have our announcements for Purpose Kingdom Network. All right, all right. Praise the Lord for tonight's episode. Uh truly enjoyed that. And um, so real quickly, I'll go ahead and do the announcements. This is the Product Purpose Kingdom Network. I'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining us for tonight's episode, no matter where in the world you are, whether you're listening to us via phone or you're listening to us via Internet. Uh, we greatly appreciate your listenership and your support of us here at Purpose Cam Network. <clears throat> and we thank those that share with your friends and family members. Uh, we do, well, anytime we do a live broadcast, we're broadcasting live on www.blogtalkradio.com backslash Purpose Kingdom. And we do have a call-in number to talk to our host, which is 319-527-6091. And you can press the number one and we can get you in to speak to our host. Uh, we do have a Facebook page, which is Purpose Kingdom at Facebook. Uh, feel free to um, uh, friend us on Facebook. We can see our upcoming shows and advertisements. And from, from time to time, we make major announcements um, right there at Purpose Kingdom on Facebook. If you want to uh, write us via email, you can write us at PurposeKingdomNet at gmail.com where you can send your comments, questions, concerns. You can simply say hello or send in a prayer request. We gladly honor that. Uh, also, if um, there is someone in need of a Bible, uh, you can please also contact us there at uh, Purpose 
kingdomnet at gmail.com. And um, we do um, have a radio network, which is pkn.com. And once again, it's pkn.com, where you can uh, just go there and uh, you can listen to music of inspiration. For, we're broadcasting 24 hours there. And just check it out. And also don't forget to tell your friends. All right. And uh, we do have a year-end revival, which is going to kick off on the 25th. Uh, the theme for this year's revival is a living sacrifice. And our lineup is uh, on the 25th, we're going to have Minister Bernard Merrill. Um, all shows are going to start at 8 p.m., except for the one on the 31st, which is going to start at 11 p.m. And on Tuesday, or excuse me, on the 26th, we're going to have the Reverend Dr. Eileen uh, Maddox. And on the 27th, we're going to have the Reverend Aaron Williams from DTW Ministries. On the 28th, we're going to have Elder Elijah Cooper. And on the 29th, we're going to have Evangelist Todd T.C. Nelson. And on the 30th, we're going to have Evangelist Cheryl Johnson. And on the 31st, we're going to have our very own uh, Pastor Toy Daly and also CEO of PKN. And she's going to kick it off at 11 p.m., bringing us into the new year. Our uh, revival host is going to be Minister of Music, Adrian Allen. And praying us into the new year is going to be Evangelist Trina Lindsay Hatchson. So uh, please feel free to um, mark that on your calendar and just be ready for our year-end revival. And one last announcement with God's will and God's blessing. We hope you join us tomorrow evening at the 9 p.m. hour. And we're going to be having the dwelling place. And that's going to be hosted by um, Sister Dominique Hudson. And once again, with God's will and God's blessing, we hope you join us for the dwelling place, which is going to be at 9 p.m. And it's going to be hosted by Sister Dominique Hudson. So uh, please feel free to share with your friends and family members. And with that being said, that's going to be the end of the announcement. And we're going to go ahead and turn the show back over to Minister Colvin. And um, I think it's a great show. All right. Thank you, Brother Rob. All right. So before I close out, just want to thank everyone for listening tonight, those of you who called in and those who listened online. And just a couple of things um, just to encourage you for the rest of the evening and something that may help you throughout the rest of the week or throughout the rest of the year. But um, still talking about the um, subject of extraordinary, um, the first quote that I want to read comes um, Jimmy Johnson. And it says, the difference between ordinary and extraordinary is that little extra. So, you know, sometimes some people may, they may think they're, they may not, let's see, how can I put it? A lot of times, and sometimes it's friends, sometimes it's family, they may use the comment saying, oh, she's just being extra. And I'm not talking about, because there is, <laughs> there are people who are extra in, in a not-so-positive way, but then you have the people who are extra, who feel like they they add a little more zest to what they're doing, and that's okay. And that's what separates your work from other people, and that's what separates you from just being ordinary or being extraordinary or giving ordinary work versus extraordinary work. So that's what he's talking about. The difference between ordinary and extraordinary is that little extra. So it is okay to add a little more zest to what you know, you've already what you're already bringing to the table. Like I said, you're gonna have people who are jealous, you're gonna have people that are questioning, but that's okay. 
that is okay. That's just their own personal self-doubt or their own insecurities. That has nothing to do with your confidence level. It has nothing to do with who you are in Christ. So whenever you are bringing that extra zest, you know, mixed up with the Holy Ghost, hey, nobody can touch you. And that's what makes you extraordinary. The other quote says, um, uh, let me find it. All right, so I like this one too. This is a quote by a lady named Sherry Carter Scott. Ordinary people believe only in the possible. Extraordinary people visualize not what is possible or probable, but rather what is impossible. And by visualizing the impossible, they begin to see it as possible. So that's mixing a little bit of faith and work along with the Holy Ghost and being extraordinary. So, like I said, we've got to take on that mindset saying, okay, we serve an extraordinary God. We possess this extraordinary spirit. Therefore, I'm going to produce extraordinary work. I'm going to do extraordinary work, great works. You know, he said greater works that we shall do, meaning we're going to be producing some extraordinary work. So we can't just limit what we see and what we do. We can't limit or limit our faith. We can't limit our gifts. We can't even limit who we are in Christ. So we got to start thinking it. we got to start becoming it and not just speaking it. So think it, speak it, and become it. So actually utilizing our faith so that we can not just appear as extraordinary people, but just be extraordinary people. If you are a man or woman of God, I don't expect anything less. We shouldn't. If anything, we should expect more, that little extra, as I was talking about with the first quote, a little extra. And when a little extra, it goes a long way. So ordinary people believe only in the possible. So we don't want to just be shallow with our faith. We don't want to just limit, you know, we don't want to limit our faith or just say, oh, I'm just testing the waters. No, go deeper. Extraordinary people go deeper. They visualize not what is possible or probable, so I'm not just going to stay right there like, man, I know it's possible or I probably can do it. But, no, we visualize visualize what is impossible. And so when we visualize the impossible, then we can begin to see it as possible. We put it to work. Faith without works is dead. So it may look impossible, but I'm going to visualize that impossible as possible and put it to work. And so just wanted to leave those two quotes with you. And like I said, we're talking about when extraordinary becomes the norm. Let that be the norm for us. People of God, let that be the norm for us. No more ordinary. <laughs> no more just plain chain. No more just common Curtis. But, no, we are extraordinary. We, have, we serve an extraordinary God. Um, we have this extraordinary spirit, so therefore we're able to be extraordinary, walk extraordinary, become extraordinary, produce extraordinary things. And like I said, when people begin to question you, when they look at you funny, when they try to <laughs> destroy what God has done, remember they can't. They can't touch you because what, what God has blessed can no man curse. So remember... We are extraordinary people of God. And so I pray that you've been encouraged. I pray that you will take this on, run with it. <laughs> um, remember that that Holy Ghost is a precious gift. 
precious gift. So stir up that gift. Those of you who, if you've already been claiming salvation and already say you have the Holy Ghost, well, stir it up. Stir it up, utilize it, and, and you know, just let it take full control. Let it be your guidance. Let it guide you. Let it direct you. Let it help you do great things. And this is for all of us, talking to myself as well. It's time to stir up the gift, for real, for real, as they say, for real, for real. All right, so that's going to do it for tonight. Thank you again for tuning in. I hope that you enjoy the lesson. I pray that you have a wonderful evening, and I pray that God continues to bless each and every one of you. So I hope you have a wonderful night. Good night. Jesus bless. He raised me, I will not lose. He saved me, I will not lose. Set me free, I will not lose. Never want to see me down, I will not lose. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.